Now on view at SCAD Fash, Manish Aurora's Life is Beautiful. Renowned for dazzling designs and a rainbow of colors, Manish Aurora has brought the talent and craftsmanship of India's rich sartorial history to the global forefront, earning international acclaim on runways across three continents. Designing in India since the 1990s, Aurora's glittering garments celebrate extravagant expressions of self through varied materials, techniques, and silhouettes in a triumphant union of Western and Eastern aesthetics adapted to today's multicultural society with a touch of humor. Find out more at scadfash.org. Support for WABE comes from 100 Miles, a nonprofit committed to preserving Georgia's 100-mile coast. Protecting this critical coastal ecosystem takes all of us. Watch the stories of the innovators and future leaders who help keep our coast flowing at OurGeorgiaCoast.org. From WABE in Atlanta, I'm Lois Reitzes, and this is City Lights. Thank you for listening. Today we'll hear about a variety of ways in which Atlanta artists are staying in touch. Jamil Jude is the artistic director of True Colors Theatre Company. His new podcast extends True Colors' commitment to theater at the intersection of civic engagement. Atlanta's Museum of Contemporary Art, Mocha GA, has a wealth of videos featuring artists discussing their work and interactive content. We'll hear about Mocha's artists' takeover first. What good is sitting alone in your room? Come hear the music play. Life is a cabaret, old chum. Come to the cabaret. As the song goes, life is a cabaret, old chum. But life during these times seems like anything but a celebration. Perhaps all the more reason to have your spirits lifted by two of Atlanta's theater treasures, Terry Burrell and Courtney Collins. They will alternate as hosts of We're Still Here, a virtual cabaret, streaming live and free on the Alliance Theater's Facebook page and YouTube channel each Thursday evening for the next six weeks. They're with us now, Terry Courtney. Welcome back to City Lights. Oh, it's been too long, Lois. I know. <laughs> we love you, Lois. We love you so much. And, you know, it is very hard only to send you a virtual hug at this moment. <laughs> so how did the idea for this show come about? Well, I believe it was something that the people at the Alliance, Susan Booth, and I think they were trying to figure out how to reach out to the Alliance's audience and to say, hey, you know, we don't, these are uncertain times in our theater world, but we're still here. We love you all. We are 
trying to adapt to all of the changing times in our world. And we're going to be back, but we just want to send you some joy and some fun. And we're going to send you Courtney and Terry. <laughs> <laughs> Say no more. All joy and love. I don't know. That's just my take on it. <laughs> ah, I, it's perfect. Uh, I agree. Now, what is the division of labor? Do you alternate weeks each solo or are you performing together in every show? It's going to be every other week. Uh, Courtney kicks hers off the 9th, and then I do mine the following Thursday, and then she, she goes after that. And we do it, we have three each. And if traffic is good, then we might do a seventh and we'll do it together. <gasps> Oh, well, uh, seven is a lucky number, so no doubt. It is. No doubt. So we've decided we're going to sing together and we're going to explain all the tchotchke behind <laughs> us. Because, this, because the shows take place in both of our living rooms. Oh, mm -hmm. what fun. I can't wait for the tchotchke tour. I mean, the music. The tchotchke parade. The tchotchke parade. The music would have been enough. Indeed. Courtney, anyone who has had the excitement and pleasure of attending your Christmas cabaret knows that the oh, yeah. on the Alliance stage is such an important part. Is that an actual reproduction of your living room? You know what? That's, that is a myth that I'm going to dispel really fairly quickly in my... <laughs> In my cabaret, because I do talk a lot about how they they created the set at the, for Home for the Holidays to look exactly like my living room, and it is an exaggerated myth that happened in my head of what my living room should look like. <laughs> but no, it doesn't look anything. I mean, it, the idea is that it's a definitely a welcoming space with a lot of walkthrough from a lot of different people and students. I'm I'm actually doing it in my my music room living room, which is where all, where I teach voice lessons and have band practices. And so a lot of creativity happens in there. And so it's a, it's a joyous space. Like I hope the, the cabaret space is too. I'm a little unclear. It says that the shows are streaming live. So does that mean you are performing in real time? Yes. <laughs> That's exactly and that, and why. That just, that just, I just realized that, and I'm, I'm horrified. <laughs> hey, I think it's going to be fun, especially if something goes oh, wrong. That was my next question, <laughs> Terry. What happens if there are technical glitches? You know, I'm not anticipating any. It's pretty straightforward. It's not, not anything that's going to require any great technical expertise. I am going to have Christian Magby here, who's going to be playing for me. He's also going to be performing. And he's, you know, he also happens to be very technically savvy. So I'll have someone here who can handle it if something goes wrong. But if it goes wrong, it goes wrong. You know, we can always restart 15 minutes later. I mean, this is you know, true. Most the idea is to be relaxed. Yeah, you know? very few of us are going elsewhere. So stay tuned. Courtney, who will be with you? Oh, well, my musical director and creative muse, um, JoLynn Burks, who was my musical director and played in my, headed up my band for uh, Home for the Holidays. She is a uh, performer, uh, but she's also a, on faculty at Belmont in the musical theater department right now. So she's on summer hiatus. So she was able to come down from her quarantining in Nashville 
to help me make some living room music. <laughs> now, looking over the repertoire for these shows, Terry, yours is wide-ranging music from Motown and Calypso to opera and a signature song of Ethel Waters. Let's start with Ethel, whom you portrayed in a fantastic one-woman show. A one-woman show at the Alliance Theater. I mean, I had never had such support. And I'd done it at two other places, but they really brought their A-game to Ethel. They really did. And it did extremely well there. And there's so many songs that she's done that are just recognizable. And I'm going to do that particular song, Old Man Harlem, because each week we're going to have a sort of different theme. So I think like that third week, I think I might do something about Harlem and I might do that song. Old Man Harlem gives me Sunday headaches. I've got Old Man Harlem in my bones. Always finds me dancing when the day breaks But that old man Harlem keeps me rolling on He takes all your dough and keeps you skimping Makes you old and gray before you're limping Old man Harlem gives me Sunday headaches but that old man Harlem keeps me rolling on. Now, of course, you had me at the Motown medley. Yes. So it, would it be a spoiler if you told us what some of the songs in that medley will be? You know, uh, we haven't decided yet. Um, one of the things that the Alliance wanted us to do was this kind of sing-along because Courtney does that in her cabaret show. And this, this is really based off of Courtney's show, actually. So I thought, okay, well, what could we do that people could sing along to? Because we're not, it's not like we can hear anybody. So I asked Christian if he would put a Motown medley together. So that there might be about three, four, possibly five songs. We might even be able to get the words along the crawl so that people can just sit in their living rooms and they can sing as well or as badly as they want to. What a drink in and hand. And we could dance too. Yes, no one's gonna see there it. You go. <laughs> Courtney, you are performing that rousing title song from Cabaret and your selections also feature some of your best work, including a song from The Prom. You appeared in the world premiere of that show on the Alliance stage here, and then during the Broadway run in New York. Please tell us about Look to the Stars. Well, this is Chad Beglin and Matthew Sklar wrote the music for The Prom, and every song, each song is just better than the next. And I, I love the whole soundtrack and I never got tired of listening to it every night. But this song in particular was one of my favorites because I was always in the dressing room getting ready for my next entrance. And I got to listen to this song in its entirety every night and, and listening to Michael Potts sing this song who plays Principal Hawkins, sing this song to Beth Level every night was something so special. Like it was a moment, we were all in the dressing room at that time and whenever he would sing the song, the dressing room would get quiet and we'd all be listening. I mean, 400 shows in. 
we're still listening to this song because I love it because I think it's an anthem to musical theater. It is an ode to what we all feel when, when we watch a Broadway musical. My days have little glamour, writing memos, making calls, and wincing at the grammar written on the bathroom walls. It's all school supplies and budget size and wading through red tape. That's why I love the theater. It's how I escape. So theater is a distraction? Is that what you're saying? No, a distraction is momentary. An escape helps you heal. We look to you to take us away from the soul-crushing jobs and emasculating pay. When our lives come up short and our hopes are sad and few, you whisk us off to someplace strange and new. One of the lines is, you know, it's basically saying, you know, you take us out of our humdrum, mundane little worlds, like talking to the, the people who do musical theater, the actors and the singers and the dancers, saying we need a place to run to when everything goes wrong, when the answers to a problem is to burst into a song, when standard rules of logic just simply don't apply, when people dance in unison and no one wonders why. Isn't that beautiful? I just love it. And it's how we feel, you know? And on another level, one of the songs you're performing is from the insider's perspective. Talk about the lyrics to applause. Oh, yes. Well, the lyrics to applause are, you know, what is it that we're living for? Applause, applause. And talking about as an actor, you know, you think that nobody cares. You think that nobody's out there. And then all of a sudden you hear it starting and you know, the, the smell of the grease paint and the roar of the crowd. It's better than pot. It's better than booze. A shot of applause will stamp out the blues. You work till you're dead. It ain't for the bread. Call me out of my head. Like sweet applause. Your bank account's bare. Your cat has the flu. You're losing your hair when you It's something that is so exciting to be on the stage and hear applause, which, Terry, we're not going to hear any of, you know. I'm just sitting here thinking to myself, damn, her show is <laughs> deep. <laughs> I think you covered some wide range yourself, Miss Burrell. Honey, uh, listen, where do you, Harry, I got show. the inspiration talking to you the other day. <laughs> Wait, she's spoiling your image, Terry? <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> no, I, not really. I, I'm just loving hearing this and I, and I'm so anticipating hearing it because I know Courtney very well. Uh, she is not just somebody that I admire tremendously and wanted to work with for a long time and I finally got the chance when we did Cinderella and Fella together. But she's just so profound and generous and compassionate and that's why I love her and that's why she is a friend. And isn't it typical of Courtney's generosity that the song she chooses from the prom is not one of her numbers yeah, that's, that's <laughs> that is so, 
Well, I didn't have much, but I didn't have much singing in that show, which was perfectly fine with me. But I'll tell you what, Terry, Terry, I have to, I have to throw this back at you. Terry Burrell is a goddess. I have so much admiration for Terry. You know what, um, Terry, somebody asked how our shows were going to be different or similar. And I think that we've both written our initial one. And of course, I'm going to be tuned into yours. I think that eventually what's going to happen is they will feed off of each other and we'll be able to subconsciously, you know, tie into each other because I see Terry making choices on stage. And if I'm in the audience, all I want to do is run up there and like take that invisible ball of energy and, and spirit and generosity that she's just thrown in the air. I just want to take it and like play with it and throw it back to her. Every time I ever saw Terry, I just could not wait to work with her. And Terry, what you have is such an energy about you. Whereas where my show might be a little tame because maybe I'm probably think too emotionally about things and I need to like work myself out of there. Terry's show, Terry holds nothing back. Courtney, we last spoke in December before your marvelous one woman holiday cabaret show. Terry, I believe our last conversation, at least on air, was in September before The Roommate at Aurora Theatre. How has the pandemic affected your lives? At this particular moment was going to be downtime for me. Before I was set to begin rehearsals for Angry Raucous and Shamelessly Gorgeous in Denver, which was then going to move to Washington, D.C., all of that's gone now. So I'm still in that free time. And yet my time has not has been anything but free. You know, we've got this coming up. I've done two virtual fundraisers, one for theatrical outfit, one for synchronicity. It was a woman, woman in business luncheon. I'm doing something on the 3rd of August. It's a 10, a eight minute play that I wrote and two other people wrote their play. So it's been anything but. I've taken classes through my church in uh, how to deal with uncertainty. And I just finished my last class in leadership, which is about really zeroing in on what you want. And just to piggyback on what Courtney said, it never occurred to me that what I really, really wanted was to spread joy as far in globally as I can, because in doing that, I feel joy. So I have to say that this time has been instructive for me, profound. I've made very, very clear choices about what I am going to listen to and what I am going to read. And if, if it is not uplifting, it, if, it, if it is not helpful, I don't want any parts of it, none whatsoever. That is my choice. Courtney, how has COVID-19 affected your work as an actor? Well, profoundly. <laughs> um, I just got an uh, email from Actors' Equity Union a couple of days ago. Terry, I'm sure you got the same one. And it said it opened with, owing that 100% of you are still currently unemployed, <laughs> comma, you know, nothing great can come after that comma. But I, I had a job lined up for March and April and May that I was really looking forward to. And of course, that did not happen. 
And I have to say that that kind of threw me into a tailspin because I, and I didn't expect it to, I was just looking forward to being in a play in a rehearsal room with, with actors and exploring this incredible script and, oh, the work ended at the Alliance in, in uh, December after the holiday show. So two months without work is enough for me. <laughs> and so I, I kind of went into a little bit of a tailspin and I kind of let it, you know, make me, and um, also my boys came home. So everybody was not where they were supposed to be. I'm grateful for them being here and I loved it. And um, so that was, that was great. I didn't, you know, I wasn't, I didn't kind of crawl into a hole, but I, I definitely really just kind of didn't know where I was going and what I was going to do. And then I also teach voice lessons and I wasn't able to do that. I am still having to pull myself up by my bootstraps and like listening to Terry that, thank you, Terry, that I needed to hear that. And I think this cabaret is something that is, has come along that the universe has sent me to be able to do that and to have the opportunity to say, I'm going to put the oxygen mask on myself now. <laughs> and then by doing so, hopefully spread it to other people. And you know, Lois, it, this, is, this is the right time for me and Courtney to be doing it. We were actually scheduled to do this last month, but then, you know, the world went into a tailspin and it just seemed inappropriate at that time and a little insensitive at that time to be doing basically what is a little piece of fluff to make people feel good and have a little bit of silliness and a little laughter in their lives. But the world was not ready for that last month. I think the world is more ready for it this month. Terry Burrell and Courtney Collins, they will alternate as hosts each week of We're Still Here, a virtual cabaret. The shows will be streamed live and for free on the Alliance Theatre's Facebook page and YouTube channel each Thursday at 7 p.m. beginning today and running through August 13th. It's time for a holiday. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly and Richmond Graduate University can equip you with everything you need as a licensed professional counselor while integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. That's R-I-C-H-M-O-N-T dot E-D-U. You love free, and at Ameris Bank, so do we. That's why we're proud to offer worry-free, hassle-free Ameris Bank free checking. Manage your money your way with convenient access to digital, mobile, and telephone banking, all with no monthly service fee or minimum balance requirements. At Ameris Bank, we're with you. For more information or to open an account, visit our local bankers in person or online at amerisbank.com slash free checking. Other fees such as overdraft fees may apply. Ameris Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. We've heard of government takeovers and corporate takeovers, but an artist's takeover sounds much gentler. We'll hear the details now from Stacy Savatsky, Collections and Exhibitions Manager for the Museum of Contemporary Art, Georgia, better known as MOCA GA. Stacy, welcome. Thank you for having me, Lois. You recently had what you call an artist takeover on your Instagram account. Please tell us 
which artists took over and what they did. Well, um, we had several artists take over, uh, including Kirsten Mitchell, Brian Detmer, William Downs, and several others. William Downs will be the next Working Artist Project fellow that has a solo exhibition this year. And basically, when the stay-at-home order hit, we really had to start focusing, just like everybody else, on technologies that would allow us to sort of move ahead. And we have this wonderful Instagram account. And one of our employees suggested that we do this. And basically, we gave these artists a day or a few hours, like an afternoon, and they had full access to post whatever they wanted on the Instagram account. Some of them posted, you know, stuck to artwork. Some of them did some call-outs to other artists. One of them was, I think Kirsten was in a cabin in the woods, and you sort of saw what she was looking at in the woods and learned about what she was doing to stay sane at the time. But um, it was really great. It, it had a great following. And we hope we get to do some more. Your YouTube channel has a wealth of uploaded videos of artists discussing their work. Who are some notable artists featured in those talks? Well, this period has, has given me the ability to really focus on our archives and all of the artist talks and the oral histories that we've done over the past 20 years of Mocha George's existence. And we've been able to, I've learned a little bit of video editing, which I didn't know before. And we've able to take the raw data in the, in the digital video and um, make it available on our YouTube channel. We've also incorporated a lot of those videos into our web pages so that you don't, you can go to our YouTube channel and see a lot of those videos, but you can also um, experience them on the web pages. The most recent videos we have are Benjamin Jones' artist talk, and his uh, exhibition was up just this past January through, through February. We also had the last three working artist fellows have artist talks from this past year, and those included Krista Clark, Myra Green, and Cosmo White. We have all of these videos um, from these artist talks available on our past exhibition pages, especially those that were for the Working Artist Project exhibitions. Now, we're currently in just about to end our Working Artist Exhibition call for this year. It's up online. For that, that's probably our most well-known project. We basically put a call out to established Atlanta area or metro Atlanta area artists and ask them to submit their work and we invite a curator from some nationally um, known museum or gallery to jury those applications. She picks or he picks eight semi-finalists um, and then um, the, the curator comes to town and she does maybe an hour or so studio visit which with each of them she narrows it down to three and um, chooses those three for the following year as fellows. They get um, $15,000 uh, to work for a year, come up with all a new artwork, and then they can debut that solo show at Mocha GA in our galleries. We offer um, also um, a catalog to go along with it, professional photography of the exhibition. And we have a parallel program that's an apprentice program. So we're 
basically asking up-and-coming emerging artists to work with these fellows as a mentor program. So it's a pretty well-rounded program. So the artist talks from most of those exhibitions are uh, linked to our website from our YouTube page, and they're on exhibition pages. So you can go and look at all of our past exhibitions, and you can see, um, you can listen to the artist talks and look at images of those exhibitions as they were up in the gallery. We also have a full database linked to our website, and you can really look for any um, works in our archives, our permanent collection, and even the library. And we've basically curated some pages um, that you can see on our homepage, you can get to on our homepage, of interesting artists for which we have a lot of archival material. We have a lot of video, a lot of images, they've done exhibitions here. We tell a little story about them and then we use hyperlinks throughout the website that goes to the archival records, it might go to images of their artwork, some of them actually have portraits because we have a series of portraits by Atlanta photographers within our collection of artists. For instance, Larry Walker was a Working Artist Project fellow. There's a Working Artist Project solo show he did. We have video from that. We have a portrait of him in the collection by another artist. We have thousands of documents in our archives, all sorts of things. Stacey, it sounds like you have mastered the transition to digital in the wake of COVID-19. You certainly have been busy. I tell you, I have learned so many new skills. I just um, recently finished going through um, tutorials and learning how to do 360 tours. So we're just about to get back into the gallery and we're going to put up all of the works that are in our collection from the Working Artist Project solo shows. Each solo show, after it's over, we work with the, um, the, the artist and we get to select one work for our permanent collection. So we've got about 33 of those um, works in our collection. So we can just put them up. I'll do um, lots of still photography, stitch them together in the software, add all kinds of information like label copy and videos and links to our to the original exhibition and create this studio tour that you can get into and really sort of virtually walk through the, uh, the galleries. This is the 360 degree interactive tour? Exactly. What is the interactive component? Well, you're walking through the gallery. So you, you start at the beginning of the gallery and you can sort of walk into the gallery using your mouse, you're clicking inward. And then using your mouse, you can turn yourself 360 degrees as if you're standing in the gallery looking at all the other work in the gallery. And then you'll be able to click on the work or click on maybe a little label symbol next to the work and it will pull up a detail image of the work. It'll, it may pull up a video if the work has a video component to it. Um, and it'll pull up uh, links to other parts of our database like the past exhibition pages have all of the images and, and all of the links to the artist talks for that particular artist. So it will really be a great way to dive deep into what we have to offer just through a, a walking tour, as if you're standing in the galleries. It sounds like Star Trek. Yeah, it feels like that. It, it really <laughs> does. But it's been a lot of fun. I've, I've really enjoyed this because it's given me the time to learn video editing, learn you know about the new camera techniques out there, and just 
just a lot of things that I didn't think I'd be doing right now, but um, I love to learn. Theaters and music venues face the unknown regarding when and how they can reopen. Museums and art galleries have fewer constraints as they can control the number of people admitted and ensure social distancing once inside. Some museums have already reopened across the nation. Here in Atlanta, the High Museum plans to reopen in July. I read that Mocha GA is planning to reopen its doors on September 5th. What steps are you taking to ensure public safety once it does open? Well, we have been in, in contact with other museums throughout the country with, for the American Alliance of Museums to see what everybody else is doing so that we are right in line with all of the requirements and we really want our patrons to feel safe when they come back. We will ask people to wear masks when they come back in. We will change to time ticketing and we'll limit the amount of visitors that can come into the gallery at one time. We will have a separate entrance and exit so that there's a specific uh, flow throughout the galleries. Of course, there'll be sanitizer uh, stations everywhere and we'll be cleaning constantly. We also, you know, will continue with the 360 tours and, and adding more of the sort of interactive things online so that people have a choice if they still don't feel safe just coming out into public at that point, they will still be able to visit us via the website. And at that point, we will have our Celebrating Georgia Artists of Hispanic and Latinx Origin show starting again. This was a show that we were going to put up within about a week. We we're just about to get all the artworks in when the pandemic hit. So what we've done um, over the course of the last couple months is we, we've put that show, all of the images, the artist statements, biographies online as an online exhibition. And we've also been in contact with the artists. We, we asked them to do little videos for us and those are now online just of their artwork as they're in their studios because we have to, you know, we juggle our schedule a little bit and our commitments. We realize that we can still have that show, but what we have to do is put them in a smaller gallery and instead of doing one large show, we'll do a series of exhibitions, probably three, one after the other, the first of which will begin in September. Alongside that show, um, in, the, in our Working Artists Project Gallery, we'll begin with William Downs' exhibition. Uh, he's a 2019-20 Working Artist Project winner. And he is going to do some wonderful murals and have a whole other lot of artwork along with that that I can't wait to see. Stacy Savatsky is the Collections and Exhibitions Manager at Mocha GA, the Museum of Contemporary Art, Georgia. They'll announce their new Working Artist Project Fellows Friday evening at 6.30. More information can be found on our website at wabe.org slash citylights. True Colors Theatre Company strives to be at the intersection of art and civic engagement. That commitment informs all of Jamil Jude's work as artistic director of True Colors, 
a role he assumed in 2019. He joins us now via Zoom. Jamil, welcome back to City Lights. Thanks for having me, Lois, even through this uh, new format. After the pandemic radically changed life as we know it, True Colors started a new podcast series with you as the host. What led to that decision? Boredom, maybe. Um, I think what we were what we were responding to was a need to connect. You know, we were coming off of Schoolgirls of the African Mean Girls play, where we had such a fun time in the audience exploring these huge ideas that the play asked us. And, you know, on the closing night, we had the playwright Jocelyn Bio say that she had never in her career seen the world in which she wrote on stage reflected back in the audience. And we're like, you know, we, we, we have something, we have that magic when we are gathered together as an audience. And since we can't, what are the ways in which we can stay connected? And just to try it out, I just started just like talking and uh, people had asked me questions um, via Instagram before. So I wanted to respond to those questions and they kept coming and I was like, well, let's have more people on the podcast. So it, it grew uh, to now we are into week 16 of the podcast of the weekly um, Instagram podcast. And it's been fun. It's just a fun way to stay connected and share with people. You mentioned that True Colors new season is titled Celebrating Joy and Navigating Pain. Mm -hmm. There has been no shortage of pain to navigate in recent months. You addressed the tragedy of George Floyd in your podcast on June 1st, expressing the raw emotion felt by so many. Would you talk about that podcast? Yeah, you know, that one snuck up on me. We had a guest scheduled and, you know, internet being what they are, what it is, um, was unable to make it. Uh, so I kind of quickly found something in some courses I've taught in the past and I wanted to spend it talking about new play dramaturgy, which was a question we had gotten in the past, like how do you develop new work and stuff? So maybe for about the first 30 minutes of the podcast, I went through that handout and gave examples and answered questions. And then as I was wrapping up, I realized that, you know, what had been really great about the podcast and maybe who I am as a person, like I can't help but talk about what's happening around me. Um, I'm an artist, I guess, and that's always the way in which I see the world. And I found myself expressing the hurt and rage and sadness and frustration that I had been bottling up. I, at that point, the city I moved from, Minneapolis, the city I currently live, Atlanta, the city I was raised in, Tallahassee, Florida, had all seen something happen um, that got people out in the streets. And everywhere that I ever called home was yelling. And I realized I couldn't be silent. I couldn't continue to hold back what I was feeling or maybe only sharing parts of it to friends as we you know, move through something else. And that's why also we talk about celebrating joy. I'm happy to have enough joy in my life with all the other things I'm able to do that I don't sit on the pain for too long. But in that moment, I feel like all that pain bubbled up to the surface. Oh. So understandably, I think that part of what is so powerful about your emotional response in that episode 
is the questions you pose for which there should be reasonable answers and they don't exist. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what I, I was working. I think after that speech, maybe a week or two after that speech, I gave a, I mean, after the podcast, I gave a speech to the theater communication group, which is the umbrella organization for theaters in the country where I was asked before Memorial Day to deliver what should the field be thinking about, questions we should be pondering in a COVID moment. And then George Floyd happened and we learned more about Ahmaud Aubrey and Breonna Taylor. And I had to position the speech about like, what are the circumstances in, that led to us being here? And how are we promoting those same principles of white supremacy and um, white privilege, how are the Amy Coopers in our own community, like how is that affecting the work that we put on on stage, both on a national perspective for the TCG uh, speech, but I also had to start asking that question here in my own community. I know others are doing it, uh, so I felt, I felt adding my voice was only in alignment with others. Hmm. Local actor Maisha McQueen was also a guest of yours, and during the episode, you discussed systemic racism in theater. What's being done in Atlanta theater to help promote the diversity we need? Uh, for the last two nights, and tonight is the last one, IDEA, I-D-E-A, in a group called CREATE, C-R-E-A-T, um, came together for like a town hall of sorts where artists of color were able to share their stories uh, with their colleagues, but most specifically to leadership at most of the organizations, understanding that most of the theaters here in the Atlanta area are white leadership on the board level, senior staff, and um, most of their administration. So it was a really an opportunity for um, people to listen and for those artists to speak I think that's the start, right? Like, I wonder if if we've been listening to artists enough, if they have to wait until this moment to actually say what's been happening to them for years. Could not have been doing a good enough job of listening as leaders if we didn't know that these problems existed in our community years ago. But now that we all have it out in the open and it's like, you can't say that these things don't exist or that these feelings aren't felt. I'm really interested to say what are the actions and the sustained actions? What are the values that people actually practice? We've stated a lot of values, but we haven't lived our values. And that, in living that incongruous to who you say you are, but to who you are in practice should make all of us sad. Mm. Well, Inclusivity is in the DNA of True Colors, implied in the very name that director Kenny Leon chose when he created the company. How can theater unite? And how can established organizations such as those you addressed change enough to reflect more of the world we live in? I, I think that's why 
these boards have elected their visionary leaders that we as artistic leaders, management leaders, if we have been brought to these positions based on our ability to problem solve and to with foresight make actions that are gonna drive long-term change, then we are the ones that have to be able to come up with these ideas and we can't be limited to past or to our limited imaginations. We have to be able to expand the circle of who we listen to. I think we have to be willing to make some radical change. Inherently, I believe theater has the power to change. I think it is singular in its experience of having an audience breathe together, experience a story together from beginning, middle and end. And then at the end of it, have a moment where we reflect back, whether that is a ovation, a, an applause, whether that's throwing tomatoes and boo it. We, we take people through something. Um, and taking people through a story is what we are all witnessing right now. So I think we have an opportunity as theater makers to bring people back to that when we're able to, but even in these digital moments, take people through a process that allows them to see all sides of a story and then work together to deliver something that's altogether radical. I, I, and I know that's unfortunately uh, limited in tactics, but I'm focused on how True Colors does that. And I'm hoping that the other visionary leaders that I'm in community with are able to find ways to, for their organization to do it. But at True Colors, you know, we're gonna expand the canon of black stories that we're telling you know we're thankful for some grants that we received recently uh, that are um, focused specifically on black playwrights or playwrights from the african diaspora so we're going to be premiering more world premiere plays uh, rachel lynette a playwright out of arkansas her new play good bad people will be directed by eb owalabi um, who's a great local director uh, so we're going to try to and we're going to take some plays digitally we're going to just try to put more stories out there, explore more of what it means to be um, a Black person living in this world and in co community with Black people living in this world. And that's, that's how we believe we can lead to that radical change that we want to see. Well, speaking of positivity, congratulations are in order. True Colors received a $250,000 leadership grant from the Doris Duke Charitable Foundation. Was it that grant you were referring to? Yes, yes. So the Doris Duke grant will help us with that new play lab with some initial seed funding for that. And we're also really thankful for MailChimp uh, who gave um, as well to that program to allow us to do that. You know, one thing we were recognizing that at True Colors, we hadn't commissioned enough plays. And commissioning, paying artists to create a story is really how you get to change the narrative. Um, so this helps us with that uh, in a major, major way. So we're thankful for that type of transformational funding because it doesn't happen at Black organizations enough. Uh, and it doesn't happen at smaller organizations enough. These type of transformational gifts that allow you to contribute and add to the fabric, most of our organizations, our side, are just 
repeating stories that have been told in other places and just telling them to our community. That is absolutely fantastic news, Jamil. Congratulations. And also on an exciting note, the actor Tanya Jackson got some great news. Would you talk about what was special on her episode when she appeared? Yeah, you know, Tanya is just so, she's so amazing. Um, what I love about her is her passion is undeniable. And knowing that she is driven by that fire, both as an actress on stage, but also her work that she want, that she does in community, that's the type of radical change every organization needs. So her lighting that fire under us and say, True Colors, you can nurture more voices. You can um, bring more people to the table. You can be more active in the wide community that we have here in Atlanta and nationally. We're really excited to have her join us and do some of that work with us and hold us accountable. And we're thankful to the Fox Foundation and through TCG uh, for allowing us that opportunity. And, and I know for Tanya, it is, a, it is a way that her 30 years plus in this field can be acknowledged and really lift up lifted up in the way that it, it deserves. Oh, yes. And part of what's so enjoyable for viewers throughout these weeks is that these podcasts have given us opportunities to hear from actors whom we don't necessarily know outside of their roles on stage. During the pandemic, you have offered a wealth of different virtual contact for fans of True Colors Theatre Company. Is there any upcoming new content you want to share? Yeah, I'm really excited by what we're calling the Real Responses series, and that's you know, artists are submitting to us, sharing with us, like, here's how I'm feeling in the moment, and they're, they're going to what they do. They create art. So we want to use our platform, like much what we're doing, the podcast, to amplify their voices, get to know this artist more, get to understand them in the way that they are connecting to all of the things that are happening around them in this moment. So we're really excited about that, and we've been doing that um, through our newsletter and through our social media platforms. We are entering into the world of the virtual reading. We are really excited um, that Out of Hand and the Counter Narrative Project reached out to us as well as out front uh, to be part of the one and two um, play reading by Donye last week. It was so great. Uh, so we're thankful to be part of that. And I think we're just still figuring out, okay, is Zoom the best platform to deliver uh, a theatrical moment? And I think we've been slow to it so that we can better understand it. Today, my calendar has been filled with meetings of looking at the future of what this digital space could be, what partnerships we can really roll out uh, so that when, when True Colors uh, enters into that fray, we're able to reward the participation in, a way, in the way in which our patrons deserve. Well, I am very grateful to have been on your Zoom meeting calendar today, Jamil Jude. It's always a joy to talk with you and 
Thank you for the insight you bring. Uh, thank you, Lois. This has been great. Always great to talk to you and invite me back anytime. I miss seeing you in the studio, but your voice is just as golden uh, via the Zoom as it is in person. So uh, thanks for inviting me. Jamil Jude is the artistic director of Kenny Leon's True Colors Theater Company. There will be more information about their podcast on our website at wabe.org slash citylights. You've been listening to City Lights, our daily exploration of Atlanta arts and culture. Tomorrow at 11 a.m., Dr. Scott Stewart joins us for an appreciation of music by the marvelous film music composer Ennio Morricone, who died earlier this week at the age of 91. Our producers are Summer Evans and Ryan McFadden. Kevin Rinker is our engineer, and I'm Lois Reitzes. I would love it if you'd follow me on Twitter at L-O-I-S-R-E-I-T-Z-E-S. Thanks for listening to W-A-B-E, Atlanta's choice for NPR. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Have you donated to WABE yet? I know you've heard us talking about why it's important, but it doesn't have to be this big decision. You can give at whatever amount fits your budget. It can be a spur-of-the-moment thing. You already get so much out of public radio, so just go for it. Visit wabe.org donate and become a member right now. And thank you.